You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Employee Safety Podcast. I'm Peter Steinfeld. Since June is National Safety Month, we have a special guest joining us for today's episode. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the CDC's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, commonly referred to as NIOSH. Well, our guest today is a senior medical officer at NIOSH and the director of the NIOSH Office for Total Worker Health, Dr. Casey Chosewood. Casey was a practicing family physician for many years and the medical director for Lucent Technologies before joining the CDC in 2001. He joined NIOSH in 2009 to lead the Total Worker Health Program, and while there, also earned his master's in public health. Casey discusses the details of the program and why organizations should look beyond safety to grow health opportunities for their workers. Let's get into it. Casey, for those who may not be familiar with the Total Worker Health Program, can you give them some background on its purpose and its mission? Yes, happy to do so, Peter. Uh, you know, we define total worker health really as the policies and programs and practices that really shape and frame a high quality company when it comes to worker safety, health, and well being. You know, job number one of any employer is to make sure they're keeping their workers safe. But we think they need to take steps beyond just keeping workers safe. And that really is what total worker health is all about. After taking steps to keep workers safe, the next thing to do is really to ask your employees, what are your challenges? What are the health goals that you have for your own life, for your own family? And then take steps to work on those issues that really matter to employees, both on and off the job. You know, traditional occupational safety and health protection programs have primarily concentrated on ensuring that work is safe and that workers are protected from the harms that arise from work itself. That's obviously very critical, especially in safety-sensitive work, which is common in many industries. But Total Worker Health tries to build upon that approach through the recognition that work is, is really a social determinant of our overall health. Job-related factors like our wages, the hours of work that we do, the workload or stresses at work that we face, how we interact with coworkers, all of these things really matter to us. How our leave and benefits uh, really work out. Those are important elements when it comes to our overall health and well-being. And just as safety culture is critical in many industries, we believe a healthy workplace culture is also important. And that's one of the things that we strive to accomplish through the total worker health approach. So what should employers do? This is really an ongoing commitment to healthier hiring practices, better job design, attention to working demands, making sure wages are adequate, benefits are, and recognition and reward are all provided. The good culture really supports engagement of workers and retention as well. It really turns a job into a fulfilling experience that provides both a living as well as a life. That's a great understanding of the why behind it. But when we think about in practice, what does the program look like? What's the maybe high-level overview of how people can enable this in their environment? 
We think it's important that total worker health programs are voluntary and participatory. That means they really shouldn't be forced or mandatory. It's not a way to get good buy-in if things are forced. So we also, as I mentioned, think workers should have a voice. They should have a say in what their challenges are. So one of the earliest things to do to kick off a total worker health program is to consider a worker safety, health, and well-being committee that includes worker representatives, management representatives, folks from the safety team, the HR team, perhaps your employee assistance program, all coming together to sort of take the lay of the land. What is the culture like in our organization? What are the pain points? And then maybe come up with a survey and ask workers what their needs are. What's working for them on the job? What about their personal challenges? What are areas where they could use some guidance and improvement? That's a really great starting place for a total worker health tiger team, if you will. Also looking at your safety metrics. Where are our hotspots? Where do we need to provide more attention to our safety program? That's another great place to begin. It's oftentimes these overlap issues that have both a work component and a home component where a total worker health team can be most effective. So issues like mental health and work, the workplace stressors, work-life fit and work-life balance. Those are issues especially important in today's modern workplace. You know, it's interesting you say today's modern workplace. It seems like it's uh, modern only in the last five to 10 years. But before that, a lot of this people just didn't even think about. Would you concur with that? Like this, a lot of this is very new to organizations. Yeah, I think the traditional approach has been that, hey, what you do away from the job is none of our business, right? And I think some, especially safety officers and managers have said, we don't really want to get involved in the lives of our workers. But our research shows that what happens at work doesn't stay at work, and what happens at home doesn't stay at home. There's tremendous overlap between the challenges and exposures and stressors that we shuttle back and forth, that we that commute with us, if you will, between work and home. We really see the advantages of an integrated, total, comprehensive approach to worker health and well-being that, yes, looks at their issues of safety and well-being at work, but also gives them skills, assistance, guidance, and supports that they may need away from the job as well. When I talk about this home-work-life balance approach, I really like to use the story of the three companies. And I'll take just a minute to quickly tell you that story. Imagine there are three companies. The first one doesn't really care all that much about taking care of the safety of their workers. So those workers go home at the end of the day with less help than when they arrived that morning. Obviously, that's not good for anybody. The second company, though, takes safety seriously. And they do protect their workers from harms related to the job. And those workers go home at the end of the day with about the same level of help that they arrived that morning. That's more admirable. But a total worker health company does more than that. Yes, they keep workers safe. But in addition to that, they add through these policies, practices, and programs, health opportunities. Obviously, that's good for workers. It's good for families. It's good for the community. But here's the secret to total worker health. Those same workers that went home at the end of the day, guess what? The next morning, they wake up and they come back to the job with more health as well. And that translates into better productivity, happier workers, those that will stay on the job longer, fewer injuries, fewer 
healthcare dollars spent on those workers, greater customer satisfaction, less absenteeism, less presenteeism, that is the triple win for the total worker health approach. Workers benefit, their families and communities benefit, and the organization itself benefits as well. Yeah, it's like investing in machinery. If you take care of it, it'll take care of you and be more productive. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, you alluded to it before, but you guys do research and you get feedback. Uh, executives always like making decisions based on statistical evidence, not just anecdotes. So how does NIOSH get its data and what are some of the key findings when it comes to mental health or total worker health? Yeah, you know, we are a data-driven organization. NIOSH is a research organization at its heart. NIOSH performs much of the occupational safety and health research that informs OSHA regulations, for example. We've been in the research business for more than 50 years now, and we take really a strong scientific grounding to all of the recommendations and practices and policies that we recommend. So I will say that we're really fortunate in the Total Worker Health Program to have more than a decade now funded centers of excellence for total worker health at academic locations around the country. And in this last round of awards, we now have 10 total worker health centers of excellence that really span across the United States. And they are where the bench research, the actual on the ground peer reviewed research is occurring where we are finding the best approaches to protecting the total health of workers. We also use other existing surveys and other research tools like those that arise from the National Center of Health Statistics from our own parent organization, CDC. NIOSH itself has a number of important surveys. We look at data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, workers' compensation data, our quality of work life survey that NIOSH sponsors every four years. We're also thrilled to have introduced just in this past year a new research tool to help organizations better understand the well being of their workers. This is called the NIOSH WellBQ, which is short for the NIOSH Worker Wellbeing Questionnaire. I'd invite all your listeners to check out this new survey tool. It is the first comprehensive measure of well being amongst workers. And it looks at a variety of quality of life issues, individual workers' health status, their physical and psychological safety, their work environment, their work safety experience, and questions about home, community, and society. It's really a great, quick way to gauge where your workers are succeeding in their well-being and where they're struggling. And it's a great way to decide where you need to intervene first to prioritize the challenges facing your workers. That actually is an excellent way to get started. But for those who want to get maybe involved a bit deeper in the Total Worker Health Program, how can they do it? Is it really all just like out on your website and it's they have to look at it themselves and run with themselves? Or do you do consulting with companies directly? You know, we welcome the opportunity to work directly with companies, as well as connecting companies with our network of centers, our academic centers around the country. They're oftentimes looking for places to actually develop a research intervention and to test out a new concept or a new approach to worker safety, health, and well-being. And like the rest of NIOSH, our total worker health team also provides direct consultations to employers. So we're happy to bring together the people with the right skills to assist you on your total worker health journey. You mentioned our website. It is rich with content. And I would point people especially 
to the tab on promising practices, because this describes 30 or 40 different examples of total worker health in living action, if you will. We feature all of these regularly on our website and introduce a new promising practice in every quarterly newsletter. This is a good opportunity for me to plug our Total Worker Health in Action e-news. We promise not to spam you, but we will provide you high-quality research, really applied ways to intervene with total worker health practices and approaches every single quarter. And we invite people to take advantage of this uh, free resource. I didn't realize you had so many resources out there and things that people could do. No excuses, listeners. It's all out there for you. You just got to raise your hand and, <laughs> and sign up for it. With that in mind, what are the most common questions you get about the program or, or what do you find yourself clarifying the most about it? I would say at the very top of the list right now are concerns around workplace mental health. The estimates are that about 90% of employers would put this near the top of their challenges that they're facing right now. This is a combination of both just rapid changes in work in general, obviously with the pandemic thrown on top of the situation. Add in supply chain challenges, add in inflationary pressures in organizations, and then labor shortages as well. And you have a real challenging mix, an environment where work stress, where work demands are quickly changing. Sometimes there's feast and famine when it comes to work conditions right now. All of these things can contribute to high levels of worker stress. Uh, it's one of the most common concerns that we hear from employers. It's also, I think, very critical today that we change this misconception that discussion around these issues around stress and mental health do not belong in the workplace. I would say they actually absolutely do. And some of the big challenges around mental health and substance use disorders, for example, or even occupationally uh, influenced suicide are important and maybe difficult, but very important conversations to have. And I say this because there are some organizations and some industries and occupations where the risk around these issues is far greater than for the average worker. For example, we see overdose deaths in some industries five, six, seven times the rate of the average worker. This isn't to indict those industries or to indict those workers, but it is to draw attention to the fact that working conditions and working challenges, the way people are employed, are risk factors for certain mental health outcomes and substance use disorders and overdose. So it's an important reminder for us to take those steps to improve the quality of work so that work itself is not contributing to mental health risk, suicide risk, or overdose risk. Employers and managers do need to increase their comfort around these issues and be ready to help. Keep the door open to conversations. Talking more about these things doesn't increase liability. It actually decreases the risk that your organization faces around these things. So I think it's important for us to say, yes, this is a conversation we can have at work, we can help, we can be comfortable, and in the end, it can dramatically benefit someone's retention in your workplace and their continued contributions. A big area of interest for a lot of our listeners is gaining that buy-in from leadership on improving their safety cultures. And it's just tough to convince executives to invest the time and the money. It's a constant struggle for a lot of our listeners. So with that in mind, what is the business case 
for the total worker health program? I know you alluded to some of these things before, but could you reassert that? So the business case really is this. To compete in today's world, workers expect more out of the work experience. One job for 40 years is never going to be the case ever again. The typical worker entering the workforce today may have multiple jobs at one time or 11, 15 jobs over a career. So you will have to actively work to retain and create an environment where that work can succeed and that worker can be engaged and happy. Now, is there cost savings to be had in the total worker health approach? Absolutely, yes. Early savings usually come on the safety side, decreasing your injury and illness costs acutely. Chronic disease costs come down the road, maybe three, five, eight years into a total worker health program as it matures. We're also seeing earlier savings, though, on the mental health side. Those companies that can decrease their spending around mental health will crack the code when it comes to saving money from a total worker health perspective. Mental health conditions are commonly diagnosed in our 20s and 30s, so it's a far more pervasive earlier onset chronic disease with lots of costs. Depression is one of the leading causes of workplace disability and one of the most expensive. So getting a nice program that safeguards workers' mental health, screens early, intervenes early, and helps them stay at work is critical to cost savings for companies today. How do you do all this with so many people working remote these days? It used to be easier when people all came and you saw them every day, but now Sometimes you don't see people for days or you see them just on a, a video conference screen once in a while. Yeah, I think building culture is more of a challenge when so much of the workforce is now working remotely. And it is important to still have meaningful touch points with workers. You know, we need to move from, if we can't have three dimensions at least, if, if someone is not face-to-face -face physically in our presence, we still need to provide opportunities where we have two dimensions with a video link. That face-to-face -face connection, my face seeing your face, our talking face-to-face -face is very valuable when it comes to the relationship, not only between supervisors and employees, but also amongst employees and teams. So very important to use technologies to continue to keep us face-to-face -face wherever we can. Frequent attention to camaraderie building, even though you're not in the same physical space amongst teams and in work groups is important. Managers and supervisors have to check in more frequently as well. You can do this digitally, you can do it through a phone call or a video link, but having frequent check-ins to make sure people are still know they're valued and part of the team is critical. And it's also not only what you add to build culture, it's what you can take away take away some of the pressure points that workers may be having. Get rid of their technology problems if they're having them. Solve some of the red tape or some of the challenges or issues that they may be having. So think about what you can add to create a stronger bond between and amongst workers, as well as the pain or pressure points that you can actually take away so that there are fewer challenges that workers are facing, less red tape, if you will, less administrative or tech woes that remote workers may be facing. And I think it's also important to find tangible ways to reward employees in different ways than we've done before. Group recognition used to be a way that we rewarded employees. That may not be as effective in remote settings. The best way to find out how to reward an employee is to ask them how 
they wish to be recognized and rewarded. You're more likely to succeed if you know what works for them when it comes to rewards and recognition. It's not ideal, but in today's remote environments, these are some strategies that will help you continue to build a culture across miles, whether they be just a few miles or hundreds of miles. So I, I really do recognize this as a challenge, but I think many of the total worker health principles still will fully apply. Well, what's next for the total worker health program? Can you share any future projects or initiatives you're really excited about? We really are excited about our future of work portfolio because we at NIOSH want to be on the cutting edge of what is coming down the road. We want to forecast. We want to have foresight into the challenges that workers of today and tomorrow are likely to face. So we're investing heavily, not only in programs around mental health at work, stress reduction at work, how can we optimize working conditions for better health outcomes, how can we use work as an opportunity to both decrease the risk for and improve uh, challenges for those with chronic disease. We're also looking at what future of work will look like and how workers can best be positioned not only to succeed in their jobs, but also to take home benefits of good health, if you will. We really want to examine what are some of the unknown risks now that we can predict might come to workers as we all move to this really tech-charged future. Will workers be employed in the same way? Will the gig economy become the dominant way that people are employed? We don't see that yet, but I do think that there will be a move to continued platform work. Will people outpace the demands of technology or will workers become subservient to technology and lose their autonomy and voice when it comes to really looking at the interface between tech, AI, and our contributions to work? Will we work alongside robots or in many cases, be replaced by them? And what are the safety and health and well-being implications of all of these changes? I think these are important questions that are going to be vital to not only our research portfolio, but really the success of so many of the companies that your listeners uh, represents. But one thing is sure, NIOSH will continue its 50-year history of putting the needs of workers front and center, of making sure that we address the safety and health and well-being concerns that workers are most concerned about. We think that is also very much in the best interest of employers and our economy as a whole. And if I could, just one last comment, just say thank you to all of the safety and health professionals who are listening today. You really are the uh, link to better jobs, to better lives for the people that you serve. Uh, for a better nation as a whole. So we at NIOSH and all of us at CDC are indebted to all you do to really create safer, healthier jobs. Absolutely, without a doubt. And Casey, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for the incredible work that you and your team do to help organizations achieve healthy and happy workplaces. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed being with you. Excellent. Well, if anyone would like to learn more about the program or just connect with you personally, how can they do that? please subscribe to our Total Worker Health in Action e-news. You can also access all of the resources I mentioned today on our website. The fastest way there is just to Google Total Worker Health or Google NIOSH Total Worker Health. Both will take you to our homepage. We also have a direct email if you'd like to reach out with a specific question. That email is twh at cdc.gov. Once again, that's twh at cdc.gov. Thanks so much. All right. Well, thanks again to Casey and all of you for joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. 
We hope you'll share it with your colleagues and your peers. We invite you to subscribe to the show at Alert Media's website or on your favorite podcast player. We'd also appreciate you giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Have a safe week, everyone. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.